Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. All right, guys. Give me five. You got it. Oh, you got to give me five in order to be able to get back to your seat. There you go. There you go. Good jump. Uh, no, you got to jump. All right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here. Wow. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Did I get you? Wait, 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 wait. Did, did you do it? You didn't do it. You can't go back to your seat until you do this. Come on. Get it. Oh, man. Good job. <laughs> Took one for the team and jumped. All right. Glad that you all are here this morning. Um, there are some teenagers uh, that are coming by to hand you a card. Verna Mathis is, has been a longtime member of our church, somebody that is beloved here. And Verna is, is going to be home with the Lord soon. And we have the opportunity to go ahead and take, uh, I, I'm going to shorten the sermon by five minutes if you will take five minutes to simply write her a card and tell her you're praying for you, that you love her, whatever God puts on your heart. Uh, you may not know her that well, uh, but she is one of the neatest people. Took care of my little girl, Caitlin, uh, when she was a baby. Uh, did quilts for years. And if you get a chance to take one of these cards, we're going to actually uh, let you do that during the sermon. Pastors never let you give you something that you can pay attention to instead of what we have to say to you, but you do today. And if you'd like to go and just pen a word to her, after you get that done, and you can do it during the sermon too. It's okay today. I'll let you do that. With your ears, go ahead and listen. With your hands, go ahead and write. You'll need to put them up here in this box right here. Uh, I'm going to get a chance to go visit with her and her family this afternoon. And uh, you'll have a chance to go ahead and get that card to her this morning. Does anybody get not have a card that wants one? Okay, we've got some in the middle. Hand those out. Ella? Limp back there. There you go. Kathunk, kathunk. All right. Got some back over there. Yeah, just grab grab some of those white cards. We have some folks over on that side in the back. And in the balcony. Hunter, you got that one too. I did not have the uh, Jeopardy music queued up so that we could write... And hear the da 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 thing. All right. Anybody else? Great. Thank you all for for doing this. Stu mentioned a thing called the Gospel Project, and folks, the Gospel Project does in fact point everything to Jesus and the redeeming work that He did. The word gospel comes from a corruption of a word that means the good news. The good news. And Jesus is that good news. He's the good news of the story we get to tell of how He loved you and me, how He gave Himself for you and me to die on a cross in our place and to go ahead and pay for your sin and mine. That's the nutshell of the gospel. But when we read about people like Elijah, and, and Stu mentioned Elijah, and if you've been studying uh, studying in your Sunday school classes and Bible study class, and look, guys, if you have not 
plugged into a Bible study class. At 9.15 in the morning, we have some wonderful gifted teachers who can go ahead and plug you into that. It's the story right now where we are in 1 Kings about Elijah. Now, who is this guy Elijah? Most of us think of Elijah only as being the guy that, that ended up having to fight against hundreds of prophets of Baal. Now, some of you all have been to the Holy Land. One of the most moving places that I remember being there, and I love the Old Testament, was standing on Megiddo. Megiddo was, and I shared, shared this a couple of weeks ago, Megiddo was a site of a Canaanite uh, settlement before the, the Israelites got in there. And they had this huge circular altar there. And I shared with you that that's where they sacrificed little boys and girls to their gods. And that, that stone is almost the width, the width of this center section here. It's, it's enormous. If you're standing there on that altar and you look to the northwest, you can see the mountain where Elijah actually had his encounter with the prophets of Baal. Now, what ended up happening there? Well, this is the good news. I'm going to give you the, the, the quick story of what happens. God called Elijah to be a prophet. Now, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. And so, teenagers, you get to be Bible heroes this morning. What does a prophet do? What does he do? I'm really a bad teacher if you missed that, okay? What does a prophet do? Loud. He tells the message of God. He tells people the message of God. It can be a really good message. It can be a message of you're in deep weeds. But he tells the message of God. And God called Elijah to be his prophet. And so he is doing this work of telling God's message to all the people. By the way, a prophet's job is not over until God tells you it's over. Your job, your life is not over. Those of you, okay, real quick. How many of you in here are, are, quote, retired, unquote? Hold your hands up. No, you're not. You are not. You will know you're retired when you take your final breath. When you see Jesus face to face, that's when you're retired. There's a reason that you are still, still borrowing oxygen. There's a reason you're still killing the grass right now here in Navasota, Texas. It is because God wants you to still do something. You have to discover what that something is. And Elijah had been doing what God told him to do. He'd been sharing the, the message of God. And as he shared the message of God, God told him, you're to go up and you're to preach against this particular type of worship that's going on that is abominable to me and is the worship of a false god by the name of Baal. And not only are you going to go up there, but you need to understand that, that the king and the queen of Israel right now, the people that are the heads of the government, are followers of this, of this false god. The culture, everybody around is a follower of that. And you're supposed to go up and stand... And, and, and even if you stand by yourself, and, and later on Elijah says, I was the only one that was standing over you. And God's like, get over yourself, Elijah. Elijah is to stand up against all of these people that are saying, we don't want anything to do with God. Guys, it's much like the culture we live in right now. We use God as a convenience. 
His convenience. When we really have something big that we can't handle, like a 9-11, what happens? As was shared earlier, the churches get full for about three weeks. And then everybody goes back to their own ways of doing things. Oh, we can handle this now. The military's all after Al-Qaeda. may take them a few years to get the guys, but they'll get them. Now, let me share with you. This is free. This isn't the sermon. This is free. You, you get this. You and I cannot handle one single thing in our life, but God can. And the joy is that God invites you to go ahead and be a part of the life that you can't handle, but that He can, and He asks you to join Him in the life He has given you right now. Listen, I don't want to live my life and miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing. And since God already knows what things are going to happen today and tomorrow, I want to go ahead and be snuggled up very close to Him so that I don't miss a thing either. And Elijah was that guy that said, God, if you want me to go up against hundreds of other people that are going to say that I'm an idiot, the God that I follow is not a real God, I'll do that because I am your man. He gets up to the, to the mountain that God has, has brought all these folks to. All of Israel's gathered around there. The prophets of Baal have already figured out how they're going to kill Elijah. You see, you and I have to face the same thing Elijah did. We're either running from fear or we're running to God. One of those two things. Now let me ask you a question. Do you know who this guy is? Y'all know who this fellow is? Okay, everybody over the age of 60 ought to know who this person is. Anyone under the age of 60 that knows who this person is is a good student of history. All right, history. So, um, who do I pick on today? Oh, I see Hollis. Hollis in a loud voice. Who is that man? That is five-star general, General Douglas MacArthur, former superintendent of West Point, hero and Medal of Honor winner, leader of the 42nd Rainbow Division in World War I, the only man who stood during an artillery barrage of, of shells from the Germans standing there on the top of a trench with George Patton, another hero, general hero, and Patton and, and MacArthur stood there waiting for one or the other to flinch as the shells were blowing up around them. Guess who flinched? Patton. Okay? MacArthur is the ultimate soldier hero guy all the way up to the Second World War. He's in the Philippines and he's in charge of, at that time the Philippines was a protectorate of the United States, and he is in charge of making sure that they are combat ready. There's all of a sudden this tension between the United States and Japan. And then on December 7th, the Japanese attack Pearl Harbor. And on December 8th, they attack the Philippine Islands. By the way, December 8th, because it's the, the dateline, don't, don't worry about it. It's a long story. You know what you know about it. Here's what you need to know. The press after the loss of most of the aircraft on the Philippines, after the loss of a tremendous amount of men, after MacArthur was 
was pushed back off of the Tan Peninsula onto this little island called Corregidor, which, by the way, is no bigger than from where we're standing, we're, we're seated right now, to Navasota High School. It's a tiny island in the middle of Manila Bay. MacArthur was, was told, you are to stay there and defend this territory until relief. And he did. But the United States press, and we think of the press sometimes as being the enemy of things, let me share with you, that's not a new deal. The press accused MacArthur of being a coward in 1942. You see, they accused him of that because he left his men on Corregidor and his command in the Philippines during that time. He left them. There's a reason that he left them. He was ordered to by President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the Commander-in-Chief. No one knew that. The President didn't bother to tell the press that he'd ordered them. MacArthur had to bear the fact that he was called a coward and that he ran, quote-unquote, even though he didn't. Folks, you're either running from fear or you're running to God. One or the other. We're going to read a scripture this morning out of 1 Kings chapter 19 that talks about running. I'm going to invite you to stand together. We're going to stand for the honor of reading God's Word together. As we do, let's, let's read this. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. So what happens to Elijah when he gets to the mountain? The prophets of Baal, you know the story, they go ahead and do everything that the prophets of Baal are supposed to do. They're trying to show that their God, Baal, is in fact the real God and that Jehovah is not. And they end up having this great big powwow revival for Baal. And listen to me, nothing happens. They build an altar that is supposed to be consumed by fire. And Elijah says, if you have a real God, he's going to go ahead and consume that. Now, I shared with the teenagers this morning this, and I'll share it with you briefly. If you have hundreds to one odd of winning, and there are hundreds of prophets of Baal, and there's only one Elijah, and you go ahead and watch them as they're trying to call up and conjure up their God to go ahead and consume the, the, the altar over here, are you going to go ahead and say anything? Or are you going to sit back and just kind of go, hmm? Elijah did not sit back and go, hmm. No, as a matter of fact, what he did is he started mocking them. Now, guys, listen. If you're surrounded by hundreds of people that want to dismember you, little advice from Pastor Clyde. Don't mock them. Not a good deal. But if you know that you're doing what God wants you to do, mock away. Because what he ends up doing is just, you guys need to yell louder. 
Your God's asleep. Come on. Come on. Hit yourself harder on the back. Draw more blood. Maybe your God will answer you then. And finally, when nothing happened, Elijah says, you're done. My turn. He goes and he constructs an altar in a very specific way. And he takes sacrifice and places in a very specific way on that altar. And then he does, and it's supposed to be consumed by fire. And then he does the very thing that is not supposed to happen when you want to have a barbecue. You do not put water on the barbecue, do you? Can I get an amen? Anybody in here ever put water on a barbecue and said, hey, it's going to be good? Nope. Not unless you want raw meat. So he ends up putting water on it, and then more water, and then more water. He digs a trench around it, and the water is rolling into this trench. And then he said, God, prove who you are. The Bible says that a tongue of fire came out of heaven. Bam! Consumes the altar that Elijah had made. Can I get an amen? But here's the deal. Read your Bible carefully and you'll find out it didn't just consume that one. It consumed Baal's altar too. Why did that happen? God was proving I am God over a non-God. Let me tell you, folks, you and I can have many gods this morning. Many, many gods. God is the only one, the only one that knows who you are, where you are, what you've done, loves you anyway, and gives you an opportunity this morning to partner with Him, to receive forgiveness. What ends up happening? Well, let me tell you what. Elijah goes and takes a sword, and by this time all of Israel who's gathered around me go, ooh, ooh, ooh. The God we're supposed to be worshiping is the real God. We've been worshiping false gods over here. So let's round up all those hundreds of of prophets of Baal and let's go ahead and get rid of them because if we don't get rid of them, bad things are going to happen. And so they end up gathering them all together. And Elijah, it was messy, folks. Elijah puts every one of those men to death. Now, by the way, it says he put them to death by the sword. There's a story to that. I told it to the teenagers here. It is gruesome. It is the way that the sacrifices of Baal were made of little children. You saw those little boys and girls who were up here with stew. They used kids that age to sacrifice to their false god, to win favor. Next time you see a four- and five-year-old kid running around here, realize God rescues you and me from, from worshiping a culture of death like that. He put to death every one of those prophets of Baal. So when Jezebel, the queen of, of, of Israel, hears about that, she said, tell you what, if what happened to them doesn't happen to you by tomorrow, then I hope it happens to me, and even worse than what happens to me. I hope it happens to So what does Elijah do? He has just finished this wonderful, huge, all Oh, man, it was great. This huge, wonderful celebration of God's power. What happens? Well, folks, here's what happens. It's what happens in your life and mine, too. You are running to or from something this morning. 
You are running to something or from something this morning. You're either running to God or running to a false God or you're running from something that you're afraid will get you or from God. Every one of us in this room is doing that this morning. You see, Elijah had finished the work of destroying the false worship in the north of Israel. And he should have been rejoicing. He should have been rejoicing. He should have absolutely been on cloud nine. But there's a problem with this. You see, Elijah was afraid of one woman who was a hundred miles away. One woman. Fellas, let me ask you a question. Not a fair question. You ever been afraid of a woman? You said no. Your time will come, son. Your time will come. He is afraid of this one woman who is the queen who says, I'm going to go ahead and have you run through with a sword the same way you did my my prophets of Baal. And if it doesn't happen before sunup tomorrow, then I hope that happens to me and even worse. So what does Elijah do? Elijah, and you can read this in chapter 19, Elijah absolutely boogies. Look it up. It's a 1970s word. It means run fast. He heads out. And when he heads out, that last part of verse 3 that we read, it says that he left his servants in Beersheba. You know why he left them? He didn't want to wait on them. They were holding him back. He wanted to get the heck out of Dodge and go to a place where, where Jezebel would never... By the way, have you noticed that there are no women that ever named their daughters Jezebel or Delilah? wonder why that is. Yeah. I know there may be somebody. Work with me, folks. Shorter sermon. They end up going ahead. He runs out into the wilderness, and as he's parking himself out there, he hides, and God comes to him and says these words, Elijah, why are you here? Folks, please understand this. If you're still drawing breath this morning, If you're still alive, some of you are asleep, but if you're still alive, nudge the person next to you. If you are, God is not finished with you yet. God is not through with you yet. He still has things in your future that you are to experience, and He is going to walk with you if you let Him walk with you through every one of those. Some of them may be joyous and wonderful, like Elijah should have felt after God showed up. Some of them are going to be deadly scary, like Elijah hearing Jezebel say, I'm going to get you. I want to share with you, you can't live in fear. What was this woman going to do to him that God couldn't handle? 
It's easy for us to go ahead and say that now, but in, in fact, in Elijah's life, like yours and mine, we have had plenty of times where we have run from God and we have run from God's call. We have done things that God doesn't want us to do. Even when we say we already know who He is, we take off. And when God comes to him, instead of saying, you, you absolute loser, here you are, my child, and you're dead. He doesn't do that, folks. He asks Elijah a legitimate question. Parents, let me share with you. It's easy when you already know that your kid has done something wrong to go, I know that you have done this. And then the kids are like, oh, no reason for me to go and confess. He ends up asking Elijah, why did you do this? And Elijah gives him a, a, a revealing answer. She was going to get me. God's going to share with you. Fellas, everybody that has an XY chromosome pattern in here, if you miss this, you are gone. All right? All the way over here from Jeffrey, all the way over here to Sam. Listen, fellas, you don't have to be afraid of anyone. Anyone. No one. Man, woman, boy, girl. The Bible says we are to fear only one. And that is the God, listen to me, you fear the God that loves you because He's the one that has you in His hand right now this morning. He has your life right here. Well, I'm not even a Christian. Clive, why can you say that? He's got your life right here. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Right, Sam? Yours are easy to count. Okay, yeah. Work with me, Sam. Work with me, buddy. He knows how many hairs are on his head and he knows how many days you have in front of you and how many days have been behind you. He knows that. And that's the God that, that you and I must not fear in the sense of, oh my gosh, I can't get around him, but fear in the sense of having a respect for him and a love for him. The same type of thing that if you're running to something or from something, you have to run to what God wants you to do. Think of it this way. The story in the Gospel accounts of the prodigal son, the prodigal son's father, the Bible says, ran to his son in order to go ahead and do one thing, to forgive him. If you're here this morning and you have no energy to be able to run to God, let me share with you this. The Bible says that God will run to you. God will hunt you down in whatever wilderness you have parked yourself, and He will ask you, why are you here? And instead of giving Him an answer, instead of doing that, be honest enough with God to say, I am in fear of my life. Do what Elijah did. When he did that, God said, get up, brush yourself off, get back in the game. Get up. Clean yourself up. And go back to doing what I want you to do. Why is that so doggone important? Because the real question for you and me if we're running to something or from something is, what are you afraid of this morning? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of death? i got news for you. Everyone in this room, save the fact that Jesus comes back, is going to take their final breath. I shared with them, 
a lot of them, it's way in the future. But for some of us looking at us, we got most of our time behind us, not in front of us. Thank you, Sam. And because that's the case, you don't need to fear death or anything else that God already has planned out and in His hand. He loves you that much, folks, that He's planned out your life. And then instead of making you have to do it, He gives you the opportunity to discover what to do in Him. You get to discover what God wants you to do. And I'm not talking about a a career. I'm talking about just today. You can discover what He wants you to do. Well, what He wants us to do is after you finally get done with your sermon, Clyde, He wants us to go out to eat. Okay, but what's past that? What's past that? I gave you one thing that you could do today. And that's write a precious lady a note. You may not even know this woman. Write her a note. Say, I have no idea who you are. By the way, sign the card. Don't just leave it blank. I have no idea who you are, but I'm praying for you. My name's Clyde. We're going to put them all in that little box right there, and I get the chance this afternoon to go take them to her. What are you going to do after that? God has planned your day out, and you have that opportunity. And folks, you cannot be afraid to live a life that will honor God. Understand that when Elijah had done what God wanted him to do, this great celebration of God's power, you have to understand there's a corollary to this that matches. And it is this. I've said it a hundred times here as a pastor. When God blesses, what happens? When God blesses, Satan oppresses every time. When God blesses, Satan oppresses. And what that means is when you become a person following God, doing what God wants you to do, all of a sudden he, the enemy is going to introduce something in there in your life to try to distract or destroy your joy and pull you from doing what God wants you to do into focusing on that. It may be a person in your life. It may be a situation. It may be finances. Whatever it is, the enemy will go and listen. Boy, I want to hear you. I want you to hear this. You're not immune from the enemy of God just because you go to church. You're not immune from the enemy. Well, I'm going to church. He should be leaving me alone. No, guys. You come to church, you're the biggest target for Satan that there is because you're serious about God and what he wants is folks that don't care a thing about God. I thought I'd get an amen out of that. You want this to be over with. You all better start amening some more. There you go. He wants you to realize that when the enemy comes to oppress you, you can still hang on to him. And you can do three things very quickly. First of all, you can endure. If you read the story about Jesus during his temptation, you remember what happens. He tempts Jesus three times. Takes him out in the desert. Jesus has been fasting. He's very hungry. So Satan goes, first of all, to the very part of Jesus, his physical body that he needs help with. He's hungry. So he goes, look at those rocks over there. Jesus, you can go and turn those rocks into bread. Bread would be good. Now, it's not a good thing for a preacher at 1131 to go and start, start talking about food. But here it is. Jesus, you're hungry. 
would you like to eat? Why don't you just take, you can use your divine power to go ahead and make, make a nice, big, fluffy bread with butter, with honey, poured over the top as it's split. You can smell the aroma, and then you can begin to tear off just a little bit, and because the, the honey has dripped down, you can dip the honey in there, and you can put it in your mouth, and you can enjoy as it just simply melts there. Can I get a witness? That's what Satan does. I want to distract you, Jesus, from what your real purpose is. Feed yourself. And Jesus doesn't say, no, I'm not going to do it. He answers Satan with the Word of God. God has said that man's not to live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from God's mouth. Bam! Two more times. Satan tempts and finally tempts and says, if you'll bow down to me and worship me, I will go ahead and give you everything in this world. And Jesus says, I've already got that. My worship is reserved for God and God alone. Guys, you and I have a God that will run to us and wants us to endure the enemy. And by the way, that story, if you read it carefully, it says after that third time that Jesus is tempted, Satan departs from him. You endure the time that the enemy is trying to oppress you. The second thing you do is you endeavor to work past that. I will follow God. I'm not giving up. Church, hear me. We have an entire city here that still has not come and darkened the doors, not of this church only, but any church here. We have room in the pews right now for a hundred more people without you having to have a Disney seat. Disney seats are 18 inches so they can cram more in. I know some of you all are doing the math right now and looking at the person next to you and doing the math and going, well, they ain't going to fit over there if that's an 18. Don't worry about that. What you need to do is understand God is not through with this church at this time in this city because we still have folks to tell the good news, the gospel to endure. Endure and endeavor. And then lastly, this is the one that's hard. Man, I feel a sermon coming on. Enjoy it. Enjoy I actually got to do a wedding a little while ago. And it was not here. It was at another location. I'm doing this wedding. And the wedding party starts coming in. Okay? All the guys are up there. I'm up there with the groom. The groom is up there crying. Okay? He's up there just shaking and crying. I don't think he had the problem that Elijah had. I'm scared of the woman that I'm marrying. I don't think that was it. He was just overjoyed. So he's up there with me, and here come the bridesmaids, okay? Bridesmaids' dresses. How many of you ladies had to wear a bridesmaid dress that was the ugliest thing you have ever seen in your life? Okay, there's one honest person, two, three, four, five. Anybody else want to be honest? These were beautiful dresses, And these girls were coming down and they're friends of the bride and they're excited about this. 
And they're coming down the aisle with their little dead flowers in their hand. And here's what they did. Every one of them. Like, this is your friend who's getting married. You should be happy about this. Coming down. Guys, listen. Don't walk through your life as God is using you, as God is leading you, as you have a God who loves you, that you fear, yes, but you know He loves you. Enjoy it. This is supposed to be the greatest thing that can happen. You have the chance to do what angels don't have the chance to do. Angels don't get to live in human flesh. Angels don't get a chance to go ahead and choose between saying yes to Jesus for an eternity or no to Him. Well, you know, there were angels that said no to God. That's different. That's different. God loves you enough, He gives you the chance to have a spiritual experience in a human body. And that's what we're doing right now. So that you can enjoy the walk as you walk it. Folks, Elijah, you read about what happens to him. (laughs) He doesn't even die a normal death. He doesn't even die a normal death. He's swept up, caught up by God. Kind of cool deal. Matter of fact, he has this kind of coat thing. And as he's being swept up by God, here's Elisha down there going, I want to be like you. And he goes, okay, we'll catch It says the mantle fell on Elisha. Very thing that you talked about, Stu. Guys, I'll share this with you because this morning, this morning, decide to run to God, not from Him. Decide to run to a God that loves you and a Savior who died 2,000 years ago on a cross for you instead of running to something that's a lesser God. Let's go to Him right now and let Him have us. Holy Father, thank You for this morning. Not for what I get to say, but instead, Father, what You get to do through Your wonderful Holy Spirit as He begins to call our name. And we have that wonderful chance of an answer of either yes or no. And that time of yes and no is right now. If you're speaking to someone's heart right now, and I know you are, Lord, and they have never said, I want Jesus to come in and be boss of my life, that I trust He can clean up my life, that I can quit running from my past. God, if you're speaking to someone like that, give them the courage to say yes to you and invite you to become God over everything, to become boss. Father, there are folks that need to plug into a church family. And this is that time, this is that church, this is that family that you've called them to. And if that's the next step in their walk with you, then I pray that during this song that you're going to go ahead and move their heart, stir them to committing to that today. God, we're yours. We don't belong to ourselves. We don't belong to a lesser God, but to you and you alone. You take this time. You use it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand together, church. God is calling you about the decision that needs to be made.
receive him by faith for the very first time in your life, perhaps to go in and say, I want to plug in and join this church family. During this song, as we sing it, you simply slip out of your pew. Come down here to our altar. I'd love to pray with you about that. You come as God leads.